Well, hey, good morning. Watch, guys, put your hands together. Let me know you're alive this morning. Nice, nice. You're happy to be in church. Thank you so much. I know the weather was so beautiful, but you, you stood the chance to not go to the beach or not celebrate the fourth grilling, but you came here, and uh, I appreciate you so much for doing that. I, uh, you know, I was texting with Will back and forth. I love this series. I'm going to talk a little bit about this series before we get fully into it, but joking around with Will figuring out, you know, I'm always in the planning sessions for the Anthem series. I play music. I, I got to play on the worship team today. Um, I'm very passionate about music. So I have, have tried so hard to protect you guys from country music every Anthem's year. I'm in the meetings going, oh, I, don't think, I don't think that's good. I just like, I just, I try so hard. I was 10 minutes late to the planning meeting and I'm pretty sure they typed it at the top and just hit enter a bunch and just hit it for the rest of the meeting. I didn't know. I didn't know we were doing country. And uh, texting Will back and forth and we're like, isn't it funny, the first time we're doing the, the 4th of July, we're gonna sing a country song, really puts the ick in America. And uh, so what did we do? We put a, an Indonesian immigrant to sing the song and he's singing about how great the USA. I'm like, it's your time, man, it's time to serve. It's time to serve, you've been here long enough, you can sing about it, let's do it. This, this series, I, I absolutely love this series, and a lot of people, you know, you go back and forth whether or not you, you really enjoy this series, hearing these songs that are sung in church, why are we singing a country song about blowing people up in church? You know, and, and you think about that, but what it teaches you, what it gets into your, to your mindset are, are a couple of different things. So we're gonna read through right now, we're gonna uh, go through in this series, Psalms. That's in the Bible, it's what we believe as Christians is God's word, what he's put together, what he's formed as his word. So we're gonna read through Psalms. The Webster Dictionary says that a sacred song or poem used in worship, especially one of the biblical hymns collected in the book of Psalms. So a psalm is a song written in the Bible. These are what people were singing. These are what people had on their hearts. The, the, uh, the Old Testament, as I've shared before, this is what you'd call meditation literature. It's things that you listen to on repeat, put on repeat all the time. And why would you do that? Well, I'm gonna tell a couple stories. Uh, one, my hero, Bob Olberg, who's here in the Dover Auditorium right now, all right? I love Bob Olberg. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about Bob Olberg, I once went on an overnight trip and shared a hotel room with Bob, and it was a, it was a fantastic time that we had. And, and middle of the night, I started hearing something. I'm wondering, what, what is going on in the middle of the night? And then I finally hear, in Jesus' name. And then he keeps going. And I went, oh my, oh my God, he's praying in his sleep right now. This man is praying in his sleep. This is amazing. And I just kept listening. I'm like, man, this guy has the word of God on his heart so much that he's sitting there and while he's sleeping and he's praying in his sleep. And while that's like, it's kind of funny at first, then you think about it, you're like, that's amazing. Like, he must never have a bad dream. He must never <laughs> once have a bad dream. He's always got the Lord backing him up. And so he prays in his sleep, and then something else that we can learn through, uh, hopefully, uh, your hero, if you follow uh, Jesus as well, when Jesus is being tempted by the enemy, uh, he constantly is repeating back scripture, because it's something that's just rolling around in his head all the time. And so when we go through these songs, these are songs that are on the radio all the time. These are songs that you don't 
that you don't realize you're turning into meditation literature. You're turning it into something that will play in your head. And, and what you have playing on repeat in your head is what your reaction will be. It's what your knee-jerk reaction will be, whatever it is that you have on repeat. So if someone wrongs you and you're listening to a song like this, your initial reaction is, I'll get them back. I'll get them back, right? Because that's, that's what you're teaching yourself as you go. And so you think about this, this whole series is important to reframe. What is it that's repeating in your, in your head? Can we all have a goal to whenever we're met with trial, whenever we're met with anything difficult, we go at it with prayer and with scripture? Can we at night before we go to bed start praying and never cease praying throughout the entire night and just keep going? Like, can we, can we go towards that? And that's what I hope you'll learn in this series is we're gonna take something that is rattling around in your head, whether you know it or not, and we're gonna compare it to the Bible. And we're gonna help you this new practice that you're gonna start doing. Have you, how many of you have woken up in the morning just singing a random song? Just like singing, I'm just like walking around making coffee. I'm like, how do you do? Pleasant moon greeting, fun, how are you? And just like walking around, I'm like, what? What am I singing right now? Why, why am I doing this? What if, what if we could get into this practice of where we have something in our head and we have a song that's been rolling around in our head this whole time and we wake up in the morning for our devotional and we say, what's the Bible say about this song? What's the Bible prove against this song or prove for this song? Is it in agreement? Is it contrasting it? How can we make everything that we have in our head come back to the Bible? And uh, what, uh, what you have to realize is this series is, will help show you that within everything that the world is saying, there is a biblical response. And it's through that lens, we saw in the, in the sermon bumper that we have, it's through that lens that we have to see the world. So we're gonna play a song, we're gonna do it. We're gonna play a song in church that might feel uncomfortable, but you know, this building's not the church, we are the church. Is this the music that's going on in our cars? Is this the music that's going on uh, when we're at home? And that's not to really convict you, that's saying if you can be played there, it can be played here. What we're doing is we're gonna teach you a biblical approach to the things that are playing all around you at all times. So that's the purpose of this series and why I'm so excited to talk about it. So this song, Courtesy, the Red, White, and Blue, let's take a look a little bit in this. An article talks about um, Toby Keith wrote this song in response to the attacks on 9-11. And uh, around the same time, which he said in the lyrics, he had lost his father who fought in the war and he saw all this stuff happening and his, his knee-jerk reaction was, I'm gonna, I need to write a song about this. I'm gonna write a song on what we're gonna do. And so he decided to write, uh, to write this song here, which I wanna just read the verse again in case we were too busy laughing at the funny hat that Will had. It said Toby Keith on it, you couldn't read it, but it was a Toby Keith hat, he was really dedicated. So the verse says this, now this nation that I love has fallen under attack, a mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. As soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the 4th of July. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list, and the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. And the eagle will fly, it's gonna be hell when you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell. And it feels like the whole wide world is raining down on you, brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. And so he writes this song. That's, that's a very simple response to, to a very complicated situation, right? You heard us, we're gonna blow you up. We're gonna, we're gonna fight back. 
We're gonna, we're gonna come back at you harder than you ever came at us, right? That's the response that he's having. And so I want us to read a little bit and uh, I'm not making light of any situation that's happened. I'm not saying he's wrong or right. I'm just teaching you through what lens we can look at different situations. And I wanna talk a little bit about our knee-jerk reaction and how we treat people, how we view ourselves as US citizens here in America. So today, today we're gonna learn about Psalm 2. That's the psalm that we're gonna pair. So we, we heard, brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue, and as we're searching through the psalms and thinking what proves against this or for it, we thought Psalm 2. So we're just gonna read through this whole thing, and then I got three points for you after that. So let's read. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The, enthroned in he- the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with rod and iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule and trembling. Kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. In him. So three things that we can look when we when we read through Psalms two, and I want us to apply it. I want us to write it down. If you have notebooks, I want you to take them out. If you have your phones that you want to do it, don't open Facebook. I want you to open your notes app, and I want you to take some notes and and get this in because this is is much it's much bigger than I think we we don't put the weight on it that, it that it deserves. When we, when we read through Psalms 2, when we read through things that Jesus was saying to us, and we need to put some heavier emphasis on it. So there's a couple things. We're gonna uh, teach a little bit against the song that we were singing today. The first thing we can learn from Psalms 2 and, and throughout the rest of the Bible is God is not threatened by political policies, whether those were created locally or globally. It says, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Now, he's not laughing when, you know, because uh, people are threatening him. He's not like a, ch- a nervous chuckle trying to figure out what's happening. He's, laugh- he's laughing at the fact that the enemy thinks that the creator can be told what his creation will do, right? So he laughs. He, he makes everything. He creates the world. He creates people, and they say, well, you told us to live one way, I think we're going to live another way. So he laughs at this idea that, come on, I made earth, I made everything. You can't, you can't tell me how it will function. That's, that's hilarious, that's, that, that's not going to work that way. And this, this amazing story that had happened in, in China, in 1949, uh, China declared themselves an atheist country. They went out and they said, hey, we do not believe in religion anymore. So this is a creation that came, came out and said, hey, there is no God. Everything here, there, there is no God. They started burning down um, Buddhist temples, Christian churches, they, every cross that they could find. They started re- reading through this. I, I, I had no idea there was so much that, 
that they had to go through, they were sending believers and other people who had believed in, in any sort of religion through re-education camps. And that was sending them through, hey, we're gonna, re, we're gonna teach you how this new government functions. And one of the things that we're gonna teach you is that you're an atheist now because you belong here in, in China. So what, what China did is say there is no God. And what, and what ended up happening through that when China said it, well, the Lord laughed and he had other plans. Missionaries started pouring in, other countries started praying for them, and, and all of a sudden this underground Christian movement started happening in China because it was illegal and people were still doing it. Now they had this interesting like, wait, why are you doing this? They'll kill you and, and then they'll send you away if they find out you're doing this. And they're like, well, it's that important, it's that real. We're gonna do it. And so all of a sudden this new urgency hit and, uh, and so people started following that, and we found a report when we were researching for this, uh, for this sermon, there's people who are studying you know, how many Christians are in China, how many Christians are in all these other countries, and, and uh, right now, Christianity is, is on the rise in China. The report says Christian, Christianity is the dominant religion in the United States, the third most populous country, and Brazil, the fifth most populous, but China will be home to more Christians than these countries by 2030. So now, this country where it is, it is publicly declared we're atheists here, by the year 2030, will have more Christians in it than the US. By the year 2030, they'll have more Christians than the US and Brazil. That's, that's how God laughs and scoffs when rulers of the earth try and tell him how he's going to function. You know, the atheists, they, they would fought against it and, and it just, it didn't, it didn't work that way. The second thing that we can learn because when we hear about God laughing and, and then we sing these songs about blowing people up, this is something important that, that we should learn too. God is not laughing when lives are taken. In 2 Peter 3 verse nine, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. Some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Pastor Nate always talked through that thing that he learned in, in Bible college of the heartbeat of God, saying God is not willing that any should perish, right? God, God does not laugh when people pass. God, when, when a, a war is won, and we're celebrating the fact that the war is won. No, the creator, he's, he's devastated that people had to die. He's devastated that people had to lose their lives before they knew him and before they could come to him. And that's, that's really his heart behind it. And the, the last thing that we can learn, and, uh, and I think this is, this is one of the more important parts when it's talking through. They're talking about the rulers of the earth. They're talking to the people who who are, are living under these other rulers that are plotting against God and, and all this other stuff. And, and we can learn something for us as well. And as we are celebrating the 4th of July and we have a lot of American pride, I think it's good for us to love our country and to be a part of that. But I think there's something that the Bible teaches us as believers that we need to pursue and we need to lean into. And that's this, we are kingdom, we are part of God's kingdom first. And then, and then the U.S. says in the psalm, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. 
talks all about, yeah, we know, the rulers can plot, everyone can plan against these things, but God's in control of it all. And when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom's here, follow me, be a part of this. And what happens when we believe in Jesus and we, when we step in and we start to pursue him, we, we make our citizenship here in the US secondary. And our citizenship in what Jesus has called us into, the kingdom, becomes the primary, um, the primary land that we find that we find ourselves in. When when political agendas are on the rise, we can have our opinion, we can do our voting and all that. And but in the back of your head, just keep remembering, I am a foreigner in this land, and my place is in the kingdom of heaven. And where I come from, God is in control. Where I come from. God will make sure whatever needs to happen will happen. So we move forward. It's our job as part of this country to, to do those things. But you need to remember, you need to keep it in the back of your head. You can't get charged up when things are happening here. The rulers plot in vain. It's been saying it since Psalm 2 was written, and it's been happening all the time. We can't get worked up. We know our place is in the kingdom of heaven, and we seek him first and his kingdom first uh, in Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, this is really where we, learn, where we learn this principle. He'll take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we, eagerly, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So Jesus came and, and he gave this commandment. He, he came and he said, you're part of this kingdom now. We have some laws here. We have some laws in the kingdom. There's not that many, but we have some laws. And, and he taught through, uh, in Matthew 22, he talked through these two great commandments of the kingdom. So you say you're a Christian now. Maybe, maybe you don't, and maybe you think Christians believe a little differently um, if you take your, the word of how Christians believe from the news or from whatever media is. I'm gonna teach you right now what Christians really believe, what Christians should pursue and what they really are all about. And the band can come up at this point. Matthew 22 gives us these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're citizens of the kingdom, and we have two laws. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is where it's going to get... Uh, a little interesting. We're gonna talk a little bit about how we react, about how we um, react when we see things we don't like, when we see posts that we don't like on Facebook, or when we wanna reach people, but there's this, this, this party that we don't feel like reaching. We need to remember these two commandments, and we need to say we're a part of God's kingdom first, right? So let me ask you this question. Legit, legitimately process it yourself. Does your view 
on political policies? Does your view on politics that are going around, does your view of how you think this country should be make the list of people you should love smaller? Does the view of what's right and wrong and what should be allowed in this country and what people shouldn't have and shouldn't pursue and shouldn't talk about, does that make the list of people you think need Jesus smaller? We had a service here. We had some lower income families here and, and then we had some average income families here and you know, they had never been to church before and so they were talking and they were joking around they were probably uncomfortable because here we are talking about Jesus. They never heard of him, and they kept talking. Another family member turned around and told them to be quiet, very angrily. And they ended up not being that quiet, so the other family member stormed off. And when we talked to them, and they decided we're gonna, we can't do this. We're gonna leave the church. We're gonna leave the church. We can't do this. I said, wait, wait, what are you doing? You're, you're a Christian. We're called... We're called to love people. We're called to love all people. And I, and I never forget, it's always in my head. It always corrects me. It always brings me back to it. Their response was, we can't love those people. Well, we can't, we can't love those people. That's devastating. It's just devastating that your, that your view on how everyone else should react will help you decide who deserves God's love to where how you believe this country should be run will make you hate someone else instead of love them. It's been written since the Psalms, the rulers plot in vain against God. Why are we still surprised when things like that happen? You need to understand this, Christians, you need to understand this. Citizens of heaven first, we love people. That doesn't mean affirming people. That doesn't mean just going along with it and figuring out what will happen. But we love people and we treat them correctly regardless of their views, regardless of their beliefs. And that is how we change this country. That is how we change this world because we'll become a people that function differently than everyone else. When Jesus' followers first came uh, and first got saved when Acts happened and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they, they formed this small community. And they started functioning how God told them to function, completely outside the Roman government, completely outside of how the Roman government said they should live. The Roman government said, hey, if you're, if you're disabled, uh, you're dead weight, we'll cut you out. And this small group of Jesus followers said, if you're disabled, I'll go get food for you. If you're disabled, I'll carry you to where you need to be. The Roman government said, if you're poor, you're not respected. And this small community started saying, if you're poor, we will share everything we have with you. And now they weren't going around breaking the laws, but they were breaking these social norms and they were breaking the rules that the government was putting in front of them. And they were saying, no, we're part of God's kingdom first, no matter where we are, no matter what country we're in, no matter what the leaders are saying, we're gonna live in his kingdom and the way that he's called us to live. So I encourage you Christians to start analyzing your reaction to things. Start analyzing how it is that you react. And for, for those people who've 
if you've never served Jesus or maybe, you know, where I was at years ago, Christians were the reason I never wanted to come to church. I'm teaching you right now what the Bible says we're supposed to live like. So in the same way we're called to give love and grace, you know, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you don't know how to give that grace, but take, take what Christians are supposed to be from what the Bible says and from what I'm teaching to you right now. The person that, yell, that has yelled at you, that has condemned you, that has said you're destined for hell, that has said all these things, they shouldn't have spoken to you like that. Yeah, they should walk with you and show you what Jesus has called you to do, but they should love you too. And to know this, we have a salvation that has changed our lives here. And all we want for you, if you don't know Jesus, is to have that same hope and that same love. So no, maybe if Jesus has called us to something that is outside of what you're working in, we're gonna try and help you. We're gonna try and move you through it because we want you to be a part of this kingdom and we want you to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. All right, so that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna pursue. I'm gonna pray and then I want you, uh, we're gonna sing a little bit before we dismiss and I want you to start reflecting on that. Two things. First, what this series is teaching us. God, what do I have rolling around in my head that is changing the way I view people that is against your word? And the second, how can I start being a part of your kingdom first? That's what I want you to think of while we're worshiping. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for your amazing love that you give. God, I wanna pray for everyone here. I want you to search our hearts, search our minds. God, find any offensive way in us and build us up, tear us down and build us up into a way that glorifies you. I pray we no longer react to how the world says we should react to things and instead we pursue how it is you want us to react. And God, I pray that with every attack that comes at us, that with every difficulty that we have, that you inspire us to make sure that scripture becomes our first response, that prayer becomes our first and only defense and offense, God. God, change us and grow us. Remind us that we are a part of your kingdom. We love you so much. We thank you for this invitation. And God, I wanna pray for everyone else who's not a Christian, that they would continue to pursue you. They'd continue to pursue your true love and your kingdom and how it is. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.